this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. sound very British, do I? It's lovely to see you. Lovely to be here. Keep doing what we were just doing. Cool. Just for, you know, like a couple of minutes. Is that all right? Justin, isn't it? What's that? He looks suspicious to me. Very good, very good. We'll just kind of stay here in the presence of God for a moment, shall we? Is that all right? Really nice to meet you. Hello, everybody. How many have I met before? Yeah, not that many. How many have been like this has been church or you've been connected with this church for, let's say, more than, uh, less than two years? Put your hand up if you've been here less than two years. That's huge. Cool. Nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, we go back a little way, Chris and I, and this crew. It's funny, the Forryville Five, that's what we called ourselves. It's It's the funniest thing. Like you don't, you know, people, you guys look at me and you think he's pretty old. Which is the strangest thing because I remember looking at people up there that were kind of, you know, shade past 50 and thinking, gee, they look old. And now I'm that guy. That's very strange. Let me tell you, some of you people that are 30, yeah, you'll get there. You're aging as I speak, every one of you. It's very nice to meet you. It's just a real privilege. We grew up with these guys, and uh, Chris has told a little bit of a story there. And uh, but we, gee, we're so blessed. Honestly, you can, you know. I think the older I get, the more thankful I am for uh, for friends and for the love of God. You know, and uh, we've all gone at kind of our diff- different routes, but we're all still connected. And these, you know, these guys are pretty. You know, they're very gifted. They're remarkable. We had, a, we had a real massive interest in acne in our teenage years. Is that important to tell? Yeah? You don't remember that? I made a birthday cake for one of them once. I don't remember who it was, but it was just a giant pimple. That's, that's, how, that's how deranged we were. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Is that helping you? You lifted yet? And uh, oh, they're very gifted, these people. Don Foster there, this guy, he's got the gift of like looking 16 for the rest of his life. He's just always been that way. And Simon, well, Simon's remarkably gifted. There's a, there's a very few things. He's a good chef. I remember when it was, I think Don was, I think it was a, uh, uh, I have to say these things, Chris, just important, you know. <laughs> and, uh, it was Don's, uh, he was getting married. What do you call that thing? Bucks night. That. So there we were going through McDonald's in Simon. Simon's been a builder for a long time. And so we're going through McDonald's and he's in the back. We're in like in a ute thing. So Simon, he's always liked cooking. So he's got this tube of wasabi. We've never heard of it before. Wasabi, I had no idea what that is. So we bought a couple of cheeseburgers and, and Simon squeezes his whole tube of wasabi in there. Says to Don, here Don, have a McHot burger. <laughs> that was him. And then Nick was super talented. Nick's like a scientist. So Nick, when I was there, I was in your home, Nick, in Forestville. I think, I don't know, a few of us might have been. 
and uh, when CDs were first invented. Now, you, some of you don't even, you know, you don't even remember CDs, but there was a day when you couldn't, we all listened to cassettes. I can just feel the Holy Spirit falling here in the room. Can you feel it? And, uh, and Nick could switch the thing on with his high-pitched voice, couldn't you? You had some, he could. He had some like, his dad's, his dad's Russ, was Russell Slavovich von Heuser from Russia. Yeah. So he was a very talented engineering man. He did a, a doctorate. But uh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll suggest you speak with him later on about those kinds of things. But um, it's, you know, I say all that to say that uh, it is really a remarkable thing. When we were young like that, sometimes you watch movies. I like movies. And, and you look at these guys and they paint these pictures that are like very idealistic. You know, they've been friends forever. You know, they fell in love when they were young. You should have seen Chris when he first met Ruth. I remember that when they were not married and he was so knocked out it was like you know it's crazy that hasn't changed Ruth I'm sure and uh, I, I, I still remember that when we, we were all single and uh, back in the day well of course you know everyone is probably when they start out aren't they am I right there but uh, it was it's 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 just the wonder of relationship you know, and that yeah, that God cares for people so much, and you just don't know. You wouldn't have thought. We would never have thought. And I'm not like big noting it like this is the greatest friendship of, in all history or whatever. But it's just a treasure. It's the grace of God. Um, so some of you, you guys, I hope you have some friends. You know who you are. But treasure people. There's nothing more important in the world than people. There's nothing more important to God. Nothing comes close to people. He just adores them. And uh, I, I imagine I'm speaking mostly to Christians, you know. Some of us here probably may not be, which is fine. If you haven't discovered that God just thinks you are magnificent, then you haven't really begun Christianity proper. You know, there's lots of, you know, there's the sinner's prayer. You don't find it in the Bible, of course, but, you know, we all had to learn it. But actually, all Christianity is, is I heard God speak to my heart and I found out that he loved me. That's, that's the foundation of the whole thing. And you really don't want any other kind of Christianity than that. God is love, is love. He has a lot of remarkable abilities. But he is love. And every every time you get closer to God, your heart will soften. You'll fall in love with him more. You'll fall in love with people more. And that's what will change the world. That's the gospel. That's really what it is. So uh, just a few introductory thoughts. And thank you very much. Where's Maddie? That was awesome, Maddie. Where's Maddie? Is she here? She's gone out with kids. There you go. That was just magnificent. Did you feel the presence of God on that? We had, a, we had a, not a dissimilar situation in our church where God, God, I just am convinced that God is visiting his people in a new way. And so if some of you feel like, man, I have never had that kind of experience. And you can't, you can't go around like, God, come on, give me that. You can't do that. But if you will throw yourself into the love of God, 
he's going to touch you in ways you can't believe. So I'm really, I'm really privileged to be here and uh, lovely to have friends like Chris and Ruth. They're, they're outstanding pastors. Sometimes I text your, your Facebook, you guys are the luckiest guys on the planet, I'm telling you. I tell them, if I was in Australia, I'd be coming here. It's a, they're just rock solid. And I've, I've you know, known him for a long time. And he was always the sensible one. Yeah, he was. And I was the emotional, all over the guy, incurable, romantic, you know, type. But, but uh, he's a very, very dear friend, as are these guys. So uh, thanks for having me. I just thought I'd say hello. because then you, And I have a lovely wife called Caroline. And she's, uh, she was here four years ago. But, of course, a bunch of you never met her. I also need to say hello, wherever the camera is, to Martin and Joe Gooding. Um, they're not here this morning, but they texted whatever, you know, WhatsApp me something, just saying that they would be unable to be here, but I wanted to say hello. They're very dear friends, really special people. As I, and I'm sure, you know, what a rich church you guys have. It's really something. So we're going to have a little time, and then, then we'll be finished shortly. You'll be having coffee. It won't be long. It's all right. All right. Thank you very much, you guys. Can we give these guys a big hand? They do a great job. You've got a lot of uh, fantastic things going here, I'll tell you. Great building, air-conditioned. I had the phone. Is it air-conditioned? I thought, I've come from England now, you know. So uh, we were all right. And then the music's fantastic. And these line-up of mics all set here. I know, you know, Chris, Chris is quite particular, so one wasn't quite working, but it's all right. You know, That person will be dealt with appropriately at the end of the service, I'm sure. And, uh, and the graphics are fantastic up here that you go. That communion thing with like Alpha, Omega and, and the, all the different backdrops and all the music words. I don't know who does that. Really good. But that's where we are today. We've got to move on. What you have today is not enough for the future. And uh, God's got new things for you. And God's generally in the habit of unsettling us all a little bit. And uh, so I hope I do a really good job of cooperating with God this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about prayer. So the subject is called, What Happens When We Pray? That's what I thought we'd talk about. And uh, the number one thing that happens when we pray, this is, I've I've just, Chris mentioned this. So I I used to run, I, I was the principal there in the 90s of the Bible Training College. And Pat Ancliffe, who I think is still that man, isn't he? No? Okay. So he was there for a long time. He was, in the last year I was there, he was my assistant there, and then I went to England. And, uh, and so, and the prayer course in that college I ran because I always felt it was very, a very important part of life. I remember, how many ever heard of Lester Summerall? Any of you ever remember him? Lester Summerall was one of the great generals of God that I had the privilege of meeting uh, a couple of times, uh, not a conversationalist, I wouldn't have thought, fairly gruff gentleman, but a magnificent, world-changing man of God. I actually picked him up in the airport in your Holden, Sam, Simon. You remember that? Because I had a bomby car and I thought, I'm picking up Lester Summerall, <laughs> so I borrowed my mate's car and uh, went and picked him up. And uh, I remember one of the things he said, he had an enormous impact on me in the early 90s. He went home to be with Jesus in 96 and he was then about 83 or 4, that kind of age. So he's a old-timer. He had Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you heard of him? So Smith Wigglesworth laid hands on Lester. When Lester was in England in the 30s, as the war was about to break out, the Second World War, uh, Lester was a young man. Wigglesworth was an old man. And Lester found out about 
what this man was. People who know about Smith Wigglesworth, if you don't, he is, he is one of these very unusual, remarkable English, uh, Yorkshire uh, phenomenal ministries. Uh, like he's the kind of guy, you, you, you can read books about him, lots of kind, but if you had an altar call, as they, funny word, but you know, you'd pray for healing for people that were unwell. He would regularly just get them all out. And if they had any kind of like, like cancer or stuff like that, he'd just punch them in the stomach and they'd get healed. And he, I mean, he was ferocious. He was, he was in another zone. He lived in another world. There was this one great story. You don't mind if I start with the story. And uh, I started a while ago, actually, Brownie. So I'm just, but I'm using that because it extends my time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, he, he, there's one story of a woman. Now, this is very common. You can read his books. But he, she was so ill, and this was very common, this kind of thing. She came in a, like, a, like in a hospital bed, in a hospital gown, cancer of some kind, something like that. And, and his ministry, very famous for his dramatic healing ministry, miraculous, stunning. So he says to the deacons, the guys that are helping, stand her up. And she can barely stand. She's like skin and bone, half dead. And, and they stand her up and they're holding her and he says, let her go. And they kind of, let, and he was very gruff, <coughs> let her go, <laughs> with his Yorkshire accent. So they let her go and she smashed to the ground. He said, pick her up again. So yes, picked her up a second time. Let her go. They let her go again, fell to the ground. And then the third time, he says, pick her up. And, uh, and everybody, you can imagine it's like this. And I mean, I'm not doing that, but it was just, he says, pick her up. And, and they pick her up and she's obviously in pain. She's half dead. And, uh, and, uh, he says, let her go again. And then someone in the congregation yelled out, you beast, you know, in the language there, and you're kill, you, you've killed her, you know. And he said, I know my business. You mind your business. Let her go. So they backed off. The power of God hit her like it did with you, Maddie, in that place, like it's just supernatural. She was completely healed, you know, of course. And then you just move on to the next person. He was just, just a phenomenon. And he prayed for Lester Sumrall. That was the story. Laid hands on Lester Sumrall just before, actually before he went home to be with Jesus. And so I had the privilege of meeting Lester. And I said all that to say that one of the things Lester said, and I was running the Bible college at this time, I remember this. And he said one of his great concerns was the number of Bible training colleges and institutions and ministry training places that had no course whatever on prayer and it, it grieved him and he said it's it's just more common than you think we need to learn to pray and prayer is a phenomenal thing here's here's what i believe in, in the you know the time i've got got a massive clock here this is chris it's massive <laughs> there probably there'll be a little alarm that'll go on with about five minutes to go dick 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 but um but he he the number one thing for me, and I'm running two Bible colleges at the moment, actually one in Staines, very small, um, but where we are in Staines, which is not far from Heathrow and we live near there. So we've got mostly our guys from our church, but then some other people from other places. And, and I'm doing it very deliberately, 
not for our church. The day of putting all this stuff on so our church can grow is well and truly over. That whole spirit is not a good spirit. There was a genuine move of God in local church growth. But people are not stupid. If you, if you start to attract them with the idea of, gee, I hope they join our church. Now that they've joined, gee, I hope they start tithing. Gee, I hope they start. You're using people. That's not loving people. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching now. Anyway, so God's moving us on. You know, we're all, we all got to grow, you know, me included. Hallelujah. So, so we're doing this college there, and I'm very deliberately trying to do something where whoever comes from whatever, if I can help you grow, awesome, but you go where God wants you to go. I'm not trying to manipulate you into being, you know, that sort of thing. And, so, and I'm also doing the same thing in, uh, in Wales. So Wales is a, you know, for, for the benefit of my wife who will watch at some point if she's not already, Wales is like a big national park on the side of England. <laughs> Wales is the oldest culture in Europe. Wales and they're very proudly low and they're playing rugby probably finished now they played Scotland today in the Six Nations which I really do enjoy actually and they're not doing too great but uh, they might have beat to Scotland you don't know any Scots here where who's Scott they are doing so well do you watch the rugby Robert oh yeah 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 you watched um you're really a descendant of Robert the Bruce Okay, all right. Wow, what a story. So anyway, Scotland played Wales in rugby. And, uh, and I don't know the story about that, but Wales, so we're doing this. It's a two-hour drive. So I drive two hours to a place called Newport, and I've got a friend who's got a church there, and we did the same thing. I'm doing the same thing one night a week, and I just go over there. And you could do it online. You know, you could. And, and a number of people have said, why don't you do it online? And I probably will. I'm in the process of putting some things together. But there's some things that don't work online that they work in person. That's another thing. Like going to church online, no problems if you're, you know, away on holidays or whatever. That's a good idea. But going to church online is not going to church. There's just too many things that the New Testament tells you that the church does, like baptize people, like have communion. You can't do that on Zoom. So it was good for a while. Well, it lasted and COVID and we did well, but we've got to move on, folks. We've got to be gathering together. That's what church is. Ecclesia, it means a called out group. It's a public meeting. It was like a, the Greek word, the original Greek word is like the local council that met together and had influence in the community and made decisions. That's what Ecclesia, they used to use that word in the Romans did just before Jesus to describe local councils. It's a meeting place. It has proper leadership. There is a sense of community. We belong. We don't belong. That's the church. Amen. Anyway, so I'm doing this thing on prayer. And the number one thing, I better move on to my message here because I can see the t- clock ticking there. Uh, the number one thing, I want you to get this. After, after 45 or 6 or 7 years since I first met Jesus, and then Chris did a lovely job talking about, I don't remember, I remember that room in West, West Pimble. I definitely remember that, but I didn't know I was in there for hours. I don't remember that exactly, but... But, you know, many years ago, that was 1983, so that's just 20, 40 years this year since I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. More of that changed my life. And, uh, and in all those years, I would say, if I was saying what's the number one thing about prayer, it would be that you are shifting from this realm into the God realm. 
That's the first thing I would think. A lot of people think, well, how do you pray? You pray the Lord's Prayer. Or you, or you, you pray the prayer of faith and all those kinds of things. And they're all valid. But until you realize that actually we're getting out of this realm and into another realm, you're pretty much missing the point. And a lot of Christianity, unfortunately, especially in the West, has, has had that emphasis. It's very intellectual. It's very like, we agree. do you agree that Jesus rose from the dead? And yet if you believe that, then you'll be saved. And that's true. That is true. But if there's no experience, that, that it's not New Testament Christianity without experience. I know it's true to say that, you know, we don't trust our feelings. We don't live according to our feelings. That's absolutely right. But if you're believing and there's no feeling, there's something missing. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're wrong. It's not that you sinned. It's just that God has experience. When Paul said, you'll know the verse in Philippians 4, he says, I can do all things, right? Remember that? Or I am able for anything, what through Christ, who, in, who and the Amplified says, infuses inner strength into me. It's, de- it's, it's experience by definition. And we have, by and large, to, to a significant degree in the Western church, we've lost some of that experience because this prayer thing has become something we do for five minutes or ten minutes or I'm praying for mum and dad or I'm praying the Lord's Prayer and you're, you're not, you, you forgot, you're engaging with the Almighty God. You're in another realm. And God, I mean, God is, God is a phenomena. I was, I was, I got my friend Simon here, he's very intellectual, he looked up something on Google for me. How many, how many, some of you might know this, Eleanor, I'll be interested to know if you know this, or, uh, or you might, Justin and Bethany, you might, because you might not. How many naturally occurring elements are there on the periodic table? Anybody? 94. What's the answer, Nick, help me with this, what's the answer to the life, the universe, and Thank you. <coughs> seems to have changed my voice a little anyway so for those of you that remember the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which is a very long time ago if you don't get it don't worry about it 92 94 94 elements so that's like you know molecules atoms electrons you know how that works roughly so the stunning thing is right in this realm everything you can see everything is made of those that's it Chairs, tables, phones, your brains, everything. Just made of that. It all comes down to that. I mean, it's unbelievable. The way God did things is unbelievable. I love nature. One of the things that stuns me about nature is, is like, I love those hammerhead sharks. Like, how, how is that? What's that about? Like, try and, try, and, try and convince me that, you know, accidentally the kind of, the eyes grew out a little bit. And then the sharks are gone, you know, well, through, through millions of years, you know, it became beneficial. So it just kept, it's like, like how? Crazy. What about these trees? We have, we have a lot of lovely trees in England. I, lo- I love trees. I've planted a few trees. And you have different habits, you know, different shapes of trees. And you have these ones, you'll have them, kind of like a Christmas tree, you know, with a point. Just, just some trees just grow like that. And what you've got to get is that somewhere in that seed, right, and they're all this, like all the trees, are the, it's unbelievable. Something in that seed 
tells those branches, right, bottom branches, we go out six feet. Next branches, we go out five foot six. Next branches, we only go, oh, well, you're metric here, 1.5, you know, 1.25, whatever. All, and it keeps happening. So the bigger they get, the proportions stay exact. It's beyond belief. God is, is phenomenal. And prayer is getting into the realm of God. It's the spirit realm. It's a whole other world. And you've got to know it when you get in it. You've got to start to, you've got to, start to experience it. So when people talk about the anointing, or they talk about the presence of God, or Maddie's testimony about like her hands feel heavy and arms, and you, you don't know if you're getting pulled up or pulled down. And we'll see more and more of that kind of thing. But that comes, you see, out of, out of sharing with God in prayer. Now, sometimes you'll do that. That doesn't mean you had to pray for eight hours for that to happen. It's not that kind of thing. It's just that's the world of God. And I'm convinced about this for the church. I say the same thing to my church and most places where I might be. It's the, the church is shifting, it's changing, and we just can't be happy with where we've been and what we've had. There's a whole lot more. But it doesn't come except by prayer. So I feel like this, like for you guys, for what, like great pastors, what a great church, this building, there was a day, I'm speaking prophetically, there was a day when, when for you guys, the dream of having 101 and the dream of the building, like this is where we're going, and it's kind of like, we've got that now. And that's good. And you want to put that behind you because that is not the end goal. Otherwise, all that'll happen is somebody else will lead the church. And this has happened in denominations decades after decades, all through church history. Someone else leads. They lose the fire. They lose the passion of God. They think, well, we've got a building. Then in 50 years, it's, you know, the building's a bit dilapidated. Then they sell it for flats. Nah. The God, the almighty God of heaven and earth has got a purpose. And you're in a great place as a church because there's a whole lot of important things you've got under your belt. And you've got great seasoned pastors and great teaching. But you are not going to get into what God has got for you unless you learn to pray. All right? So that's it. I'm going to give you a few quick tips and that's it. How? How do we get into this place? How, what, what do you do to pray? I'll give you three things. Very simple. We've got a verse up here that'll pop up. John 15, 7, I think it'll be. And this is Jesus. So Jesus had to pray, right? And he didn't know exactly what he was going to do. I don't know if you knew that. But like he wasn't like the son of God, like he knows everything automatically like God did. He was entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit for every decision he made. Absolutely, it'll pop up. I think I'm seeing the same screen you are. Yeah, yeah, it'll come up in a minute. It's John 15, 7. It says this, if you will abide or remain or stay in me, there it is, and my words remain in you, then you'll have whatever you ask. Yes? You agree? And so some of us have, have you know, in, in years gone by and moves of God gone by, people get really excited about this because this is how to get what you want when you pray. And that's kind of okay. That's kind of, God likes to bless people, but there's a little more to it than that. Jesus is saying, listen, it, the, the word remain is meno. It means to abide. Some versions say that, to live in, to not depart from. You're supposed to, the ideal is we don't depart from him. We're like living in constant fellowship with him. Every step I take, I know he's taking it with me. 
this is step one in, in, into how to pray. Every, everywhere I go, if we see, we, we need to become dependent on God. We, we've theorized about it. We've talked about it. But, but most of us live our lives like most of the things I need to do, I can just do them. And that leads to pride and that opens a door. It's not to say that you can't do things. It just opens a door where the devil gets in. And if you've got challenges in that area, you want to get back to this place of just abiding in him. And then it says, and my words, abide, live, mean, remain, stay, do not depart, make tabernacle, live inside. You, my words live inside of you. That word there is rhema. You, some of you will know that, the word words. And it means a, live, a, a, a freshly spoken word from a living voice. That's good. You might want to write that down. A freshly spoken word from a living voice. In other words... This is not about, oh, well, I, I learnt the Bible. You know, I learnt Philippians 4, which we kind of all did. Some of us did, you know, like Philippians 4, you know, like I can do all things. That's fine. But actually, until you hear his living voice, it doesn't work like it's supposed to work. And that's why there's lots of people. And I grew up in the, you know, with, along with Chris and a bunch of others in, in a very strong faith movement. And I'm a very strong faith believer. But every move of God will have excess if we're not careful. And, and that whole thing, was, it was kind of like, you know, like faith, you just got to read the word and believe the word and, and whatever. No, you've just got to, you've got to hear God speak. That's what that means. So Romans 10, 17 tells you, uh, faith, this awesome, powerful faith, comes by hearing, hearing in the word. What that really means, if you look in the Greek, it's, it's hearing God speak. Which is why you necessarily reading three or four or ten chapters of the Bible per day in some kind of systematic method. That may help you, but it may not help you. Because until it's God speaking to you, that's why the church is full of people who are like good Christians. Listen to me, I've done this for a while. Good Christians, and we say our prayers and we read our Bible, but they don't have the explosive power of God living through their lives. That's supposed to happen. You're supposed to lay hands on the sick and they're supposed to recover. You're supposed to know what your gifts are. Some of you are working in miracles. Some of you are, some of you, are, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of different things, the word of knowledge and all that stuff. But that's not reserved for the ministers. These guys are here to train you and to release you, like that song said, something about releasing your worship, release you to get out in the community, get out into your world and dis- display Jesus to the world. And you can't bring what you haven't experienced. Anyone can read a theory, but, but until you... So that's what prayer is. It's like connecting with God. So number one is depending on him. And there's another verse here we want to look at in this context because this is awesome. And then I'll make one final point. I think we'll be done then. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. There it is. Okay, you've probably heard this before, right? Those who wait on the Lord, different versions, uh, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You might have heard that verse. A beautiful verse. And, and it's a great picture. You know, rising up on wings like eagles. But now, that Hebrew word here, see that word wait? 
That's not really a good translation. The word really, the best translation of that is entwine. It means to wind around together. It's those that entwine themselves with God. It's those that, that God and I, are, it's, it's an experience. Where one, those who wait on the Lord and then shall renew their strength, the better word for renew is exchange. Some of your versions will have it in, in the side margin. Will exchange their strength. In other words, I come to God and, and when I'm praying, I might, be, I might not feel so great, but I start to become aware I'm going into another world here. I'm go- I am going into the God realm and I'm just going to get there. And then we go in, I'll talk, and before I close, I'll just give you a couple of little clues on that. But you go into this God realm and now I'm going, and I thank him, that's a big part of it. And now I start to entwine with him. It's him and me together. He's, he's here with me and I want to hear him and I've got time and you've got to turn your flipping phones off and lock the door. And, and this is not religious. This is not be a good Christian. You did your 30 minutes, did you? You know, it's not that. It's like, and, and I'm as, look, I'm as natural as you. I'm the same. I'm like, I, I get up, I think, these guys are probably better than me. Ruth is like an animal for all this kind of stuff. You know, seek God early, you know. I'm hopeless in the morning, honestly. I'm really pretty bad. Yeah, has it changed? <laughs> he, would, he, would take, he would pick me up for three years. For three years we did. Uh, university together he had the car and uh and and uh you know because I didn't have a oh, I did have a car for a while but then I pranged it I think but and so he'd pick me up at my parents place where we grew up because those were the days when you know you'd stay at mum and dad's while you're at uni that was kind of cool and uh and he'd come he'd knock on the door I would inevitably not be ready <laughs> I'm like yeah it won't be a minute every time and then, and then it would always be a rush getting there. <laughs> like, and then we'd be always the last guys in the car park. And we'd be running off to the first lesson. And we'd be the last guys. <laughs> That's me. That's me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I, I said, you know, I'm not a morning person. But the de- see, it's not about I did the time. So sometimes what I do, because I, li- I work pretty hard. I do, I'm a hard worker and I'm certainly not retiring. I'm getting better as I get older. And because uh, and, and there's too much to do. You get to 60, you finally figure out one or two things. Cho used to say that, you know. Yongi Cho. He used to say, it's such a shame that we make people retire at 65 or 67, whatever it is now. He said, when you get to that age, you finally start to get a, some kind of clue as to what you're doing. Sorry for all of those of you that are under 40, but you know, when you get there, no, it's a, but you know what I mean, you just do, you just grow, you just learn. Some things take time. I love trees, planted a few, but you can't get a mature oak tree that's 30 metres tall in six weeks or six months or even six years. It just takes time. And some of the things in your life take longer than you wish they had. But anyway, the point here is, see this, you will exchange strength. So you get into this zone and it's an experience and your weakness starts to go and strength starts to come and you feel different. Now, some of you have felt that sometimes from time to time. If you've never felt that, don't feel bad. That's all right. Boy, we've all, you know, 
I'm going to be maybe here five years from now talking to you again and I will have learned a whole bunch now between then and now and I'll look back and I'll think, oh, you numpty, what were you talking about? Because you keep growing, you know. It's, um, it must be an English word. That. But, uh, but, uh, but, you know, so don't feel bad. But just there, there is an awesome, I'm telling you, to get in the presence of God. I just loved your testimony, Maddie. It's just, it's just like that. You just are overawed. Some, and you realize there ain't nothing else in life that's worth living for than this. That's what, that's what Christianity is. And if we would live that, then when we talk to others, we interact with others, you don't have to hit them over the head with the Bible. You don't have to preach to them these necessary verses. Your life will be so oozing God that if they are in a place, excuse me, where they're ready, their, their hearts will feel that. And then there are lots of people that are not yet at a place where they're ready so don't pressure them. Don't feel like a failure because I tried to get eight people saved and only two gave their lives to Jesus. Jesus walked into a place where there's five decks of people that are all sick in this pool of Bethesda. Five porches full of them. He walks in, gets one person healed and leaves the rest. We just don't, we, you know, we don't, we've thought about it the wrong way. Your engagement. Here, I've got to close. So in terms of then getting, so it's this dependence on God. It's what Jesus is, exactly what he put into practice when he said, I only do what I see my father doing. What kind of a statement is that? He had no idea what to do. Jesus. He made enough time with God. There's enough communion going on here that God is downloading and he's picking it up this is what I need to do. I, he said, of myself, I can do nothing. Who, who would have believed it? And we think we can. Oh, yeah, I can run a church. Yeah, yeah, I can hold down a job. Yeah, I can, you know, I can drive a car. I can do that. And, and it, on, on a certain level, you can. But on a whole other level, we've developed such an independent life where actually we, we feel like... Pro- if God were not there, there'd be a whole bunch of Christians probably would barely notice the difference. Because that sense of dependence. And God did exactly the same with Paul. Do you remember that? One of the most stunning passages in the Bible is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He writes to these Corinthians. I love 2 Corinthians. He says, when we were in Galatia, in Turkey, where there's all this stuff, terrible things happening now. He said, when we were there, we were so hammered we had such a tough time, Van Essen version, we thought we were going to lose our lives. It's exactly what Paul the Apostle says. And then he says, but God permitted this so that we would not depend upon ourselves, but upon him. Some, some of the most blessed people here are the people that feel inadequate, can't make it, failed too many times, don't know what to do because if you can read the signal right, you can get to a place where you're going to experience something from God that makes you something you could never be otherwise. We have so many kind of self-made, for want of a better term, I, I think you know what I'm saying, you know, Christian, and we need people with a deep dependence on the Lord. I think I've done 
the job today. I've got some more points, you know, but there you go. That's all right. Shall we, shall we just close? Do we get the band to come up? Should we do that? Or a couple of them or just, yeah, is that all right? Did that help you a little bit? I hope it helped you a little bit. All I can do. Love you guys, though. I love people. They are the best thing going. People. Wow. So what we're going to do is, we're going to take just a minute. She's going to be pretty relaxed, but I want you just to tune your heart, as it were, to God and to that other realm, that spirit realm. And, and I would hope... I can't see. I can, I can only be the best messenger that can I that I can be, and I, I'm kind of doing my best. And I'm sure there are shortcomings, sure. But the awesome thing about God is that as long as I'm willing, He can speak through me, and He can touch people's lives. And if you can pick up something God is saying and respond to that, that's the most precious thing in the world. So let's just close your eyes or whatever, and take a minute. And whatever God, whatever your heart is being touched by, just respond to God. I reckon there's some people here and they just probably never realised how much God loves them. And they've seen Christianity as a kind of a behave this way, play these rules, pray this prayer. And it's not. It's just like open your heart. He loves you. He's right here. So, Father, what a privilege for me to, to be allowed to say a few words on your behalf. My God, thank you so much. Thank you for these deep friendships that you've blessed me with. I couldn't, I couldn't make that up. Thank you for this special church. Thank you for their beautiful pastors. Thank you that they are smart enough to know that we've not finished. We're just about to unleash a whole new season of God and the Central Coast needs them and the Central Coast needs us so we come to you dependent we say dear Father draw me near to you if I draw near to you you're going to come close thank you thank you thank you for loving me thank you for showing me thank you for the troubles I've had the difficulties because they're steering me towards depending on you hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.